0: From the dance floor at Jackrabbit Slims, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two guys who love to bring out the gimp, if you know what I mean, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. And uh, how was your week? My, I, I went to a high school reunion. Uh, and how was that, Wade? It was exactly like uh, the, uh, the David Schwimmer film uh, the Dog Water that was retitled something that I can't remember right now. Dog water, I Water? It, it was originally Dog Water, but uh, it was like While You Were Away or While You Were Gone. Some generic, horrible title they changed it to. But actually, really good movie. If you haven't seen it, Leah Schreiber dances through most of the movie. Does 80s dancing. Lara Flynn Boyle, very funny. It was just like that. Exactly like that. Couldn't you know, believe I... it. So bizarre. Anyway, yes. I, I
1: want to know what, what, what you think of something. Tell me uh communism what do you think of it anyway so so (laughs) so here's the thing sony and panasonic (laughs) right now this won't happen until 2015 hopefully it'll happen sooner yeah but in 2015 sony and panasonic are merging are hoping to release a new disc format which will hold at least 300 gigs because as you know, Blu-ray tops out. If you want to like, yeah, Blu-ray tops out at about 128 gigs. And That's is if this you quadruple th- layer your disc. Yeah. But now Sony and Panasonic are developing a new Blu-ray optical disc format, Blu-ray, yes. which is good, which will hold at least 300 gigs. Now
0: I hope they do it. It'll play in current Blu-ray players or not?
1: Not not. Uh, do not know yet. Okay. Do not know yet. But the good thing is that at least. Sony and Panasonic, at least they see the value of packaged media.
0: Yes, but you know what that's all about, don't you? It's that, all about that, that's uh, not selling packaged media. No, that's about selling TVs. Selling TVs. Uh, yeah, that's about selling the, the you know ultra ultra HD 4K televisions, which are not going to take off. Not even they, these companies have to at a certain point get acclimated to the idea that the the ridiculous levels of growth that, that they got addicted to during certain tech periods are never coming back. You cannot you cannot endlessly keep pushing people to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to keep upgrading their home theaters into home roller coasters, into home spaceships. It's just there's a a top to this. Well, there's uh, an end to it. You uh, can't keep doing this. And here's the
1: irony. The irony is that when the DVD market disappeared, the studios started replacing that money by depending more on international box office receipts, including infiltrating China. And the funny thing about the Chinese market, if you've been reading – is that China has not been paying... (laughs) Isn't that
0: that historical, They're not paying the studios. Well, Fox will not take the money because they don't want to pay the value-added tax. They're sort of protesting the tax and saying, fine, we're not going to take any money at all. I'm sure the Chinese government is like, oh. But what does that... uh, How does that hurt them?
1: What does that have... How does that help anybody fox I, I not know. taking the money i don't know now everybody loses
0: i don't know fox it, it, loses it looks the, the fox br- is releasing look, their
1: films in china for free if they're not taking the money
0: this is this is this is the lesson to be learned by doing business in china just the, the lesson is don't do business in china cuz they they're very uh, cuz mercurial they, you just don't do business i mean yeah oh i'm sorry you're going to so you're not going to make those millions of dollars you're not going to pay those millions of dollars they're going to they change the rules on you every every 10 minutes stop it Mark, tell us about why we should be excited with uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. On Star Blu-ray.
1: Trek, that's where we track stars. Um, we have here, Wade, they're starting to come out with these Next Generation DVDs faster than I thought they would. They really kind of crank them out. I they like are. that, right? Yeah. Can't beat that. Do it. Um, now we have Star Trek The Next Generation Season 4. Now Season 4, as you know, is a good season because it's where their uniforms had collars. If their uniforms have collars, it's a good season. If their uniform looks like a T-shirt, it's not a good season. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm not. That that's I'm not, how I
0: see it. Not disagreeing.
1: Thank you very much. Now this is season four from 1990, uh, 1990, 1991. Uh, this is one of one of my favorite uh, seasons. They do get better as they go along, but I did like this one. I thought Data's day was cute, where Data gets dancing lessons from uh, from the doctor. That was cute uh i did like um night terrors was not very good i did like cupid because it was it was q and we all like q and uh the drumhead was also very good which is a witch hunt about a witch hunt for a a romulan spy aboard the ship and uh there you go good stuff in season four uh the special features include a new uh, documentary and a conversation with the art department and a gag reel deleted scenes so season four is uh, pretty good. I do like season four. I think season, I, again, later seasons get better, but I feel that the show is really starting to take off now. And it looks good. The, uh, the sound has been remastered, 7.1, so that looks good. The um, high-definition picture has been, uh, the effects have been recreated and sort of improved over what was on the TV show 22 years ago, 23 years ago. So it's all good. ...for Star Trek The Next Generation Season 4. Now, if you don't want to spring for uh, Next Generation Season 4... ...which, by the way, I believe you should... ...then you should check out uh, Redemption. Now, Redemption was the Season 4 cliffhanger. That was, re- that was resolved in, in the first episode of Season 5. Much like Paramount released The Best of Both Worlds 1 and 2 on uh, DVD... So I didn't have to wait to see part two of Best of Both Worlds. Uh, We have Redemption. I don't think Redemption is as good as uh, Best of Both Worlds, mostly because I'm not a big fan of um, Worf Klingon politics stories. And Redemption is all about Worf leaving the Enterprise to fight in like the Klingon Civil War. And there's a whole bunch of truck rock ceremonies and all this stuff about honor that I just can't stand. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of Redemption, although the disc looks great, nicely packaged, uh, commentary with uh, Ronald Moore and uh, Mike and Denise Okuda, who, of course, are the keepers of all things Star Trek. So, um, you know, if you don't want to spring for season four totally, you can, I guess you can go ahead and get Redemption, but uh, I would just spring for season four. You know what I would spring for? Uh, spring for uh, – Oh, uh, hit the uh, mic. Uh, uh-huh. You're lame.
0: I would spring for the fifth and final season of the Dick Van Dyke Show on Blu-ray because doggone it, this is one of the great all-time sitcoms ever, and uh, I'm just always amazed at how you can sort of trace all the people involved in this show to other shows, and it just takes you into Happy Days and the Mary Tyler Moore Show and. All these other sitcoms. It's just absolutely fantastic. Uh, You know, nearly three dozen episodes uh, of just great classic television comedy from this final season, the final fifth season of The Dick Van Dyke Show. And uh, two of these episodes, by the way, written by Joss Whedon's granddad. Just want to point that out. Steve Whedon? No, John, John Whedon. Really? People don't realize Joss Whedon comes from, like, sitcom royalty. You know that, right? Uh, please explain. John Whedon wrote for The Donna Reed Show. He wrote for The Dick Van Dyke Show, uh, including two episodes in this season. Uh, his dad, uh, Tom Whedon, was a writer for The Golden Girls. And So it's, Whedon, it's not like Joss Whedon really had a rough time breaking in. But, you know? but
1: he did write and direct the third grossing film of all time.
0: Yes, he did, which I don't think is all that well-written or directed. But it's not bad. It's just it's as good as it needs to be. So, I liked Avengers. Yeah, it's a good fine. movie. It's fine. It's fine. But he's you know it's not like he's a Spielberg. I don't I don't no. put him in like a class of great filmmakers or great writers. Uh, no. I just don't.
1: That that I agree with.
0: Anyway, the uh, 5th season Dick Van Dyke show includes the uh, TV Academy tribute to Carl Reiner featuring Gary Shandling, which of course has been on others, and uh, audio commentaries with Carl Reiner and Dick Van Dyke which are great. Uh, Audio commentary with Rosemary, Larry Matthews, and Bill Idelson, which is terrific. And um, there's the uh, Don Rickles remembering his two-part episode, which is hysterical. Don Rickles, why, gosh damn it, why is he so funny? He's a million years old. It just doesn't. It, it, he's just funny as he's ever been. I can't believe Rosemary is still alive. I know she's it, eighty-nine years old. Oh, that's wonderful. I love her. It just makes. It feels like the. It feels like things are right in the world when Rosemary and Don Rickles are still alive. It just does. Anyway, and this also includes a cast reunion from 1992's Comic Relief and a bunch of other stuff that is just loads and loads and loads of fun. Uh, Blu ray is the only way to watch this show because you're watching it in better quality than th- these shows have been ma- were ever mastered in at the time. I mean people who watch this on television live people who edited this stuff on one inch masters never saw it in this level of resolution you're seeing this show as it was meant to be seen by the gods. <laughs> Wow! There you Jesus go. Christ Himself—that's right—has has,
1: has approved this transfer.
0: Damn it all! Yes, absolutely. Uh,
1: um, wait, season three of—I uh,
0: don't get it. I don't understand it. They're—they're—they're they're, they're rednecks who have a duck call business and they're multimillionaires, and people watch this on television. Yes, I don't understand
1: season three. This Although, is on
0: A and E, and I don't understand. There's nothing artful or entertaining about this. This should not be on an arts and entertainment network.
1: Have you a, 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 look? A and E stopped being artistic or entertaining a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, have Have you seen the uh, the uh, the post? The outdoor uh, ads for Duck Dynasty Season 4? No. It says that it's, the, the, the tagline, the sell line is, release the quackin'.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's actually pretty good. That's awesome. That is pretty
1: good. Oh, Duck Dynasty Season 3. What can I say? It's, uh, it's about a bunch of uh, redneck millionaires. And uh, they run a Duck... Company, uh, you know what can you say? I mean, look, these guys are very. Uh, people find them very entertaining. Um, there's some footage here that has never before been seen on TV. There's uh, a couple webisodes in here, a couple music videos. These guys are very entertaining. They look like ZZ Top. They all have uh, they all have big beards, and uh, look, it's Duck Dynasty. see. What 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 can I tell you, Wade? Yeah, it's a family operation. People like that. You know, it's uh, the only thing is that sometimes this stuff gets a little bit too manufactured. Like they. In this season, I think it was the it was, it was season finale, actually. They go to Hawaii, and it's a little bit like, you know, if you really existed, you wouldn't go to Hawaii. So I don't know how real this reality show is. You know, oh, look, they're surfing in Hawaii, just like they would really do. No, not even remotely. Or they start like – or like there's one episode where like they, they do yoga, they exercise. You know, like they're on mats. You're like, you, you know, that's just set up by the producers. It's of not course that. it was. It's not a reality show. It's just like a let's let's take some peek. you know there's a uh, last week they, um, last week at TCA, the uh, critics uh, tour, yeah. uh, they announced uh, Reels Channel announced a new reality show called Hollywood Hillbillies, mm-hmm. where they're going to take I, a bunch of people that. from Georgia and they're going to plop them down in Hollywood.
0: I'm kind of amazed that Reels is still kicking.
1: I'm so. I, am I. I am. Well, they're obviously trying to uh, do reality because they know the reality is cheap and it rates so
0: banshee the complete first season this is blu-ray with digital copy this is a cinemax original series and uh i, I don't quite know how i feel about this it's a uh, it's a little bit like twin peaks uh ish you know the idea here is that there's a guy who's a he's an ex-con and he becomes inadvertently becomes sheriff in this small town of banshee and he's uh, looking for a woman and uh you know this mysterious disappearing woman from years ago and I won't get into all the details. There's all this weird noiry twists to all this stuff. And that uh, they really, really mix it up. And they really, really tangle things up pretty well. Create a bunch of narrative knots that, of course, are what draw us back in constantly to watch these damn things. And, you know, it is very Twin peaks It just seems to be aware of the fact that it's Twin Peaksy, But it's not super weird like Twin Peaks. It's just uh, a little bit, you know, eccentric like Twin Peaks. Decent action. Very nicely done. Uh, I just think after the, uh, this first season, it needs to sort of, you know, start to show its hand a little bit and show us where it's going to go. A uh, lot of bonus features, um, which will only be of interest to people who have actually seen the show. So otherwise, it's, it's decently transferred. Uh, I don't think it's the best shot show in the world. You know, they, clearly a, HBO is, is saving their best stuff for HBO. They, this, the shows that they greenlight for Cinemax are very Cinemaxy. So you know it has or as we
1: used to call it Skinnamax
0: oh yeah, too soon uh,
1: you know it's hard to be a political show in the age of Aaron Sorkin, but uh, boy, they tried over at USA with a show called Political Animals, which is actually not that bad it's uh, Sigourney Weaver plays a uh, basically plays Hillary Clinton. she plays a woman who uh, was a former first lady and she ran for president and now she's Secretary of State and it's the thing with this show unlike Sorkin shows. Is that this one is kind of fun It's kind of half comic And half serious So there is something going on That's a little different From a Sorkin thing But uh, ultimately the show Didn't really do well enough To like, you know Rate continued existence But I do like the cast It's a good cast It includes uh, Kieran Hines Right, Wade? Kieran Kieran Hines? Yeah Oh, it is Kieran Hines Yeah. Dylan Baker, who I love We all love Her- Dylan Baker And uh, Ellen Burstyn's in it too so it's a good show Political Animals if, you're, if, if, if you want like a Smart political show That is not So far up its own butt Like an Aaron Sorkin thing Check out Political Animals
0: Like Newsroom And, and yeah. Newsroom is the same Yeah uh, Smash Season 2 I gotta tell you I didn't think this thing Would make it to season 2 I thought this would just be So expensive And so self-indulgent And so Wannabe glee On a bigger stage That it would just It wouldn't, it wouldn't work But it did And uh, there it is well, Second it's cancelled now I know But it got to a second season
1: Barely. <laughs> Mainly because, uh, probably because NBC had nothing else to fill the schedule with. I and know. also, they don't want to piss off Spielberg by canceling his baby in I one guess. season.
0: Anyway. Uh, you know, Spielberg
1: was a producer on this.
0: I know. I know. That was that was the only reason this thing, I guess, survived. But anyway. Uh, so here it is. It's second season. And it, uh, I guess we're going to get a complete series thing pretty soon, right? For the holidays. A complete series smash. No, I don't think so. Do you really think uh, so? I don't know. Who knows? Anyway. NBC gave it the, the good old college try. The I, I'm it, Really great cast in here, though. I mean, you know, Jack Davenport is terrific. You know, I loved him on, on Coupling, the original British uh, sitcom. that was kind of a raunchier takeoff of Friends. He's really good here. Uh, most people know him from Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Jennifer Hudson is terrific on here, you know. I mean, a lot of great uh, cameos and stuff. It's really good. Uh, I mean, you know, the musical parts of it. But uh, as, a, as far as the drama is concerned, nah, not so much. It doesn't really matter. Very few bonus features. Not, uh, eh, whatever. It is what it is. Wait, I have two words for you. Yeah. Gun
1: and Smoke. One word. Oh. Uh, Gun Smoke, ninth season, volume one and two. I'm not talking about this because I don't care. Moving okay. on.
0: Moving on. Letting you know it's there. Uh, I'm also letting people know that Top Gear USA, the complete season three, is there. And you know what? Not nearly as entertaining as the British show. It just doesn't work. These guys are not entertaining hosts. I can't. I, I find nothing interesting. Even the cars don't interest me on these. The American show, not in the least. So I was, you know
1: what? I, I, I was on a, I was on the website looking at um, the uh, Tesla.
0: Oh, the the four door, the sedan. Yeah. William has one. You know that. Oh, really? Yeah. Does he like it? He loves it. Yeah. It it it, it the it doesn't just have a GPS screen. It has like a 13 inch. Fully functional, always yes. connected internet computer with a touchscreen. Yes,
1: I, yeah. I I went on the I yeah. went on
0: YouTube yeah.
1: and I looked at like this video review of yeah. the panel, yeah, like the cabin panel, mm-hmm. and it's almost like two iPods, yeah. uh, uh, two uh, iPads, yeah, strung together, yeah, and you can do everything on.
0: it. Sweet, it's totally sweet. Yeah, no, he loves it. He loves it, and uh, he got rid of his Tesla Roadster to get that. Oh, really? Yeah, he upgraded from one Tesla to the other. And that we I know the,
1: the, the people we know yes, yeah the people yeah. we know who have more money than we do oh, I know uh, wait real quick uh, yeah. Twilight Zone season four is on uh, DVD again again we just talked about this a couple I weeks know. ago I know they're just shooting them out they're shooting them out nonstop. well they might as well because you know what the entire series like we said last time is available on Blu-ray and you just get that yeah but, 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 the but a, lot season... of people,
0: a lot of people still they, they're still stuck with their DVDs and the individual seasons on DVD have not been available for a little while so these are all being reissued in nice new packaging and, and uh, rather spanking
1: yeah, but the weird part is that season five is uh, season four is kind of not a great season for the show I mean there was some good uh, Dennis Hopper's in it Burgess Meredith of course who, who did a bunch of Twilight Zones is in it Burt Reynolds uh, Jack Klugman uh, Robert Duvall I, I don't know that this is my favorite season but uh, I if you're a complete if, if, look if you're a complete it's just buy the damn blu-ray
0: and Showtime's final season of the Borgias is out as well uh, I don't know that this really quite took off the way that they had hoped that it would Um but it's still a pretty good show uh, you know what
1: uh, by, by the way, the transfer for the Borges is gorgeous
0: Borges gorgeous is Don't keep your day job don't mm-hmm. go into hip hop don't oh, yeah. don't do that oh yeah uh, no I, I, it never really quite took off by the way I think I think they, they wanted it to I think they wanted it to become kind of something somewhere between Downton Abbey and Game of Thrones. And uh, it's certainly what it sort of aspires to be, but uh, it's still, it's decently written. It's very well photographed, um, but clearly a little bit on the uh, a little bit on the on the skeezy side. And it's kind of hard not to go there because you're dealing with the uh, you know the, the history's most notorious family of scumbags the original inspiration for the, uh, the Godfather. And, of course, they copped that by subtitling this, The Original Crime Family, which, in fact, they were. But I think history, in this case, is a, is a lot more interesting than what they led on with the show. The show is trying to be a TV show. History, actually, is much, much more brutal. And uh, they can't even go into all those details on Showtime. That would even be too much for Showtime, believe it or not.
1: Ba-bam! Season four, Community, this is the uh, cult show on NBC, that NBC is going to stick with this show like they stuck with 30 Rock, and they're going to just hope that eventually it takes off. Now, of course, part of that uh, plan is that they fired the, um, the show's creator and showrunner, Dan Harmon, and replaced him, but uh, I'm not sure that's going to really help. Although season four, you know, it's I, I don't consider season four any funnier than the previous seasons. That's just my opinion. I just think that the show has settled into a nice little cult show groove, it's got a great cast. Ken Ken Jeong is in it. I oh, love Ken Jong. Uh, Joel McHale is in it, and a bunch of people who will eventually go on to do like you know third bananas on decent indie comedies kind mm-hmm. of a cast. Chevy Chase, of course, is in it, and uh, I do love Chevy Chase, although he is a jerk, and he left some, he left strange emails on Dan Harmon's uh, voicemail, and that's just weird. Anyway, Community season four. This is uh, thirteen episodes on two DVDs, not Blu-rays. So uh, I don't know what to make of that. Anyway, there you go. It's Community Season 4. If you know it, you already love it.
0: Totally. And then we've got another Cinemax series, Strike Back, which is now... Uh, this is the second season. This is Blu-ray with digital copy as well. Um, you know, um, uh, Ultraviolet, by the way. This is this is uh, definitely redeemable Ultraviolet. I got, I'm got. i trying to kind of get a handle on what they're trying to do with these Cinemax shows. I did not see Season 1 of, uh, of Strike Back. Um... Uh, the idea here i it just feels to me like like uh, they don't have writers who are smart enough to write anything like homeland so they're they're just uh going with uh, with this kind of buddy action thing high production value some decent writing some very good directing but you know the, the whole idea here is it's it's probably like two guns it's just it's you know a british special agent and uh like an american mercenary and uh you know these two guys hook up and they just they fight bad guys and they're, you know, uh, it's all set in in Africa and, in, you know, these inclement environments and we're supposed to kind of feel like the urgency of the modern geopolitical world and the pressures they're in. But, I don't know, it still feels, it feels basically to me like I spy with dirt, you know, no tennis, replace the tennis with a lot of dirt and, and, and sweat. And that's what it kind of feels like. Uh, so, you know, and, and semi-automatic, you know, weaponry and, and whatnot. I don't know. It uh, This show also feels like it needs more time to breathe and mature. So we'll see. Wade, uh, in
1: 1980...
0: Yeah. Oh, I remember.
1: <laughs> I kind of want this. Will you give this to me? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it, there was a... Sh- in 1980, every five to seven years, there is a late-night comedy sketch show that, tr- that tries to dethrone Saturday Night Live, and it never happens, and SNL always survives. And in 1980, it was Fridays. And Fridays was on ABC, and it was a comedy sketch show, and it only lasted for a couple seasons, uh, but it had some great talent that would eventually go on to great things like Larry David and Michael Richards – the rest of the cast is a bunch of nobodies but we have the best of fridays this is 16 episodes of the comedy show this not only has a bunch of michael richards and a bunch of uh, larry david it also has some great musical performances from uh, devo tom petty the cars uh, the clash dire straits pat benatar kiss i remember i was so young then I, i i mean how old was i when this thing came out um also, the Andy Kauf there, there was a very controversial uh, episode with Andy Kaufman, and that episode, which I will not explain to you because I want you to kind of rent this DVD. This uh, episode is explained on the DVD in a special feature called "The Andy Kaufman Incident: What Really Happened." Um, and Fridays, people either loved it or they hated it. It struggled for two seasons. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. There was some funny stuff in it. I have. Friends who are older than I am, they can reel off dialogue from Fridays because it really was a cult hit, but it never really took off. And SNL just always just out distances all these shows, whether it's Mad TV or Fridays or anything else, and uh, it didn't really go anywhere. It sort of died. So the best of Fridays, though, it is a cult comedy. Go to your parents and say, "Uh, "Ma, Dad, what was Fridays?" and you will watch them stare out into space and remember. Their teen years,
0: yes. Watching
1: Fridays, it's a good show. It is a good it was show. A good show. I want this. You give me this. You got it. Thank you very much. Rock on, you know why? Because you don't want it.
0: No, no. I, 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 I don't want most. I'm inundated, man. You know, I, I hang on to criterions and uh, a few special things. All right, Mark. Um, uh, classic movies of which we only have four, or new movies of which we have a bunch. Or do I uh, give you a break to uh, get me something to eat?
1: The only thing I have is the same thing you ate last week. I had never finished the olive oil cake. Oh,
0: then I'll have some more olive oil cake. <laughs>
1: I'll give you some olive oil. It's <laughs> whatever. Do it. uh, no, you uh, want a piece of olive oil cake? You know,
0: let's, let's, do, let's do classic movies. Do you want a piece of olive oil cake? I would love a piece of olive oil cake. Oh, but it's not stale. It's okay.
1: I'll, I'll have some more. I'll have some more. That's fine. Right. Okay.
0: I didn't have more last week. I was going to. That, that's true. You didn't. Oh, Load me up on Lo- uh, load me up on water while you're at it.
1: Oh, yes, sir. Anything else?
0: Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Beef bourguignon. Yeah, please. <laughs> please. Yeah, let's do that. All right, real quickly. I'll, I'll, then while you're doing that, I'll roll through a few of the, uh, the kid vid stuff uh, that we didn't get to last week. Uh, Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy, combo mm-hmm. set, full-length movie premiere of My Little Pony, Equestria Girls. Uh, if you are not a fan of My Little Pony, this will not win you over. If you are, you will be impressed as hell by the quality of the Blu-ray. It will dazzle you. It will amaze you. It will enthrall you. And it is still My Little Pony. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's you know, for, for little girls, and I'm assuming my little girl probably will not want to see this because I'm going to expose her to kung fu movies as soon as possible, so she will not have a taste for uh, My Little Pony. But uh, you know what? It, it's, it, it's a nice, big, feature-length, uh, kind of fantasy adventure that is uh you know probably quite a bit of fun. Very nicely animated, extremely well uh, transferred to Blu-ray. Looks really really good. Um, also it's kind of interesting is uh the Justice League original movie, the Flashpoint Paradox, which is available in uh, DVD and Blu-ray. If the artwork were anything like the incredible artwork that they have on the cover, it would be pretty amazing. As it is, it's just acceptable. Um. An interesting kind of alternate reality, you know, world coming to the end and uh, Aquaman fighting Wonder Woman and all these kinds of uh, strange alternate reality uh, scenarios are, are pretty interesting. It's actually quite well written and has some uh, really good voice casting, which also includes Dana Delaney, which is another reason why I'm fond of it, and an audio commentary that's not bad. I, uh, I think in many respects it's probably better written than most of the DC movies. And then we've also got uh, the uh, from the Nick Jr. Wow Wow Wubzy show, Best of Daisy, D-A-I-Z-Y. Uh, boy, this skews really, really, really young. This is uh, seven episodes, including one of which is a bonus episode, of this very strange rudimentarily animated show, if rudimentarily is even a word. Uh, this skews super, super young, so I guess I'll probably be... Obligated to expose my daughter to it at some point, and then we have a couple of releases from Scholastic from the uh, Magic School Bus line. Uh, one is the Magic, one is the Magic School Bus in a pickle, and the other is the Magic School Bus revving up. I uh, am a big fan of the Scholastic stuff. I really do find them to be um, particularly well animated and really well written and educational. I mean, they're uh, it's a it's a line that focuses on making sure that it's not just a lot of fluff and puff and uh, buffoonery but that they really do uh include they they're, they're very they're focused on really solidly educational material and learning and developing skills and uh and socialization and all that and these are both great so uh highly highly recommended on the magic school bus line in a pickle and revving up the the, the second one is is really really great i mean three separate uh Three separate uh, uh, discs in this one: the Magic School Bus under construction, getting energized, and uh, cracks a yoke Those are all part of the, um, the box set revving up. Uh, and Mark is now out of the room. Mark, where are you? Right here, Wade. Um, come rejoin, rejoin the, re- rejoin the living. I'm a
1: coming.
0: Rejoin I'm the living. Coming. We're going we're gonna to okay, talk about... I'll
1: give you a piece of olive oil
0: cake. All right. Well, thank you for the cake. And while I eat the cake, you can tell us uh, why you are a huge fan of Kevin Bacon on bicycles. <laughs> uh,
1: this... I like this movie. This is a movie... This is You know, Kevin Bacon is sort of, like, ageless, right? I mean, I think Kevin Bacon's been around for, like... Kevin Bacon's probably, like, in his early 50s. I think he's been, I think he's yeah. been acting for, like...
0: 75 years yeah this is this, 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 like 85 when, when did this
1: come out well this is in 86 this is 86. Uh, Quicksilver Quicksilver uh, uh, Kevin Bacon uh, plays a uh, he plays a bicycle messenger sort of dude and there was a movie last year maybe it was earlier this year about a, a bicycle messenger uh, directed by I think David Kep. And what was the David Kett Bicycle movie? I'm trying to remember that movie. That was like... Uh, oh, the
0: one with... Uh, um, it was very good. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was really good. Actually, yeah. I think that that film is better than this film. Um, but anyway, so it's uh, Kevin Bacon, and he he joins a delivery firm that uh, speeds around the streets of San Francisco trying to uh, deliver packages. Of course, he gets caught up in a crazy thing, and it's all very dangerous. He's got a bike for his life. But um, the cast is uh, very... Premium ased. Rush. Premium Rush, yeah. The cast is very 80s. It's Kevin Bacon, Jamie Gertz, ladies and gentlemen. Paul Rodriguez is in it. Louis Anderson is in it. That cake is really good, dude. Thank you very you much. Need to,
0: you need to tell your mom and Phil like I know like, what up.
1: Fluh. Yeah. Blah. Anyway, Quicksilver, good stuff. I, I, it's on Blu-ray. It's an old film. It was kind of a low-budgety film, so it doesn't look all that great, to be honest with you. And there's no uh, special feature, so I don't really know who I would, um, I don't know who I would recommend this to. But uh, it's not a bad film. Quicksilver, Kevin Bacon.
0: Alright Mark My pick of the week um, Classic movie pick of the week Are you ready for this? I kept the secret from you Really? I did
1: Is it something I'm going to like and, it, and covet and want to I don't know myself?
0: Yeah maybe uh, But you know what I love this movie I was unapologetic When this movie came out People ripped the crap out of this movie it was so unfairly savage It was supposed to be on DVD Or on on Blu-ray Several times already It is finally out Mark Yeah Ish- Ishtar has arrived Awesome um, I, I'm, I will unapologetically praise this movie this movie was ripped only for one reason, because it was $40 million. It was over budget. It was over budget. But you know
1: what? Elaine May was, I have to say, Elaine May, by all accounts, was a little over her head, and she didn't really get along with the cast. I think that Warren Beatty, I don't, I, I'm making. I, I'm not really talking from total strength, but I don't know if Warren Beatty was ever really comfortable with her directing the movie. He I don't wasn't. know that she. he ever he thought that she but was, he was up to the task. Look,
0: there, are, there are tons of situations like that. The, shot by Vittorio Storaro. Wonderful supporting performances from uh, Isabella Gianni and Charles Grodin. I mean, the whole thing. Paul Silbert, one of the legendary production designers who did *The Graduate* and many other amazing movies, just classic comedy production designer. I mean, everybody involved in this, top notch. And Elaine May, very funny woman. I mean, let's oh, yeah. let's draw let's draw a connection too. By the way, from uh, *The Graduate* to this with Dustin Hoffman, because Mike Nichols, who directed *The Graduate*, and Elaine May who wrote and directed uh, Ishtar, used to be a comedy team, Nichols and May. You know that, right? Of course. Amazing. Amazing stuff. I mean, if you if you go, I'm sure a lot of it's on YouTube. I I've never even looked. But if you listen to some of the old Nichols and May routines, it, that is cla- That is as classic comedy as you will ever get. So, they, you know, she comes from the same school, the same chops as, as Mike Nichols. And uh, it's clear, this is a really fun, funny movie. The songs that these two sing in this movie are a riot. Now, how's the transfer? Pretty good. Uh, doesn't totally do justice to uh, Storaro's photography. I don't think they put as much into the, um, uh, into the transfer as they probably could have, as they probably should have. But that being said, it's certainly adequate to, to you know, give you a, the sparkle of high def. It's still a very funny movie. Wait. What? I'm going to read no, you. No extras, by the way. That's the sad thing. There's no extras. And this is the director's cut. Which uh, I wish I had the original release cut to compare it with, which I don't. But uh, I don't don't see any uh, substantial differences here. Wait, I I looked up. Yes.
1: While you were blabbering on about nothing. Yeah. I looked up Roger Ebert's original review of Ishtar. And what did he say? A truly dreadful film. A lifeless, massive, lumbering exercise in failed comedy. Elaine May has mounted a multi-million dollar expedition in search of a plot so thin that it hardly could support a five-minute TV sketch.
0: But I liked it. I thought it was hysterical. I think it's outrageous, and I think they're both really funny. It's a great pairing, Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman. They're just a terrific team together. Um, now, the, the, I, 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 again, I don't know what the changes are. Uh, by all accounts, all she did was trim out two minutes of material. Which would make me sad because I like the original cut. So going from 107 to 105 minutes, I don't. I don't know that that accomplishes a whole lot. But uh, still, here it is. It's finally there. Ishtar in a form, some form, any form, and it's a fun movie even without extras. Go and at least rent it and just do yourself a favor. It's it's forget about how much it costs because it doesn't matter anymore. There are bigger budget disasters like every week these days, and people. You know, nobody nobody cares anymore things are so expensive now 250 million 300 million it's worth just, every penny this was 40 million at the time give me a break
1: well most films of that ilk like heaven's gate or ishtar they're really not as bad as their reputations would have you believe you know it's just no, uh, they're not. and certainly heavens- not titanic titanic was remember when titanic came out it was for months and months and months it was considered like it would be the biggest horrible disaster yeah, yeah, ever No. And and when that first review came out, I think it was Newsweek. Newsweek, mm-hmm. the very first review of Titanic came out, and it was a pan. And leading coming after months of bad publicity, we thought Titanic will be literally the biggest bomb. Yep. It'll, it'll, it'll eclipse Cleopatra by tenfold. And of course, it turned out to be Titanic.
0: We've got and and wrapping up our uh, our classic movies are a uh, couple of box sets. Um, one with, there's a theme here Mark one of them is an embarrassment to Asian Americans the other one is a source of great pride the uh, embarrassment is the one we're going to talk about first The uh, yet another Charlie Chan collection this one from Warner Brothers there are just a, a gobs of there's so many Charlie Chan movies that were made it, it's impossible to keep track of them all this is like the fourth or fifth box set of Charlie Chan movies um, and uh, you get four movies here one of them starring Sidney Toller and the other three starring Roland Winters uh both of them caucasian and a uh, straight up embarrassment in this in this role i these are just bad mysteries on top of everything to else. Anyway, you need to tell me anyway the movies shadows over chinatown uh, docks of new orleans shanghai chest and the golden eye and uh it, it's just these these they're like bad hardy boys mysteries except with a with a fat white guy dressed up as a chinese man that's that's all these are wait
1: what does Charlie Chan have in common with Gosford Park? Uh, Gosford Park and Charlie Chan. Bob Balaban? Some, yes! Bob Balaban. Look at Wade. Bam! Okay. Bob Balaban played a film producer who makes Charlie Chan
0: movies. Okay.
1: Gosford Park, the Oscar winning <laughs> Robert Altman film.
0: Anyway, no, they're, they, here we go. Um, MGM had a Charlie Chan collection, 20th Century Fox had uh, five Charlie Chan uh, collections and Warner Brothers has had a uh, this is their second Charlie Chan collection so I mean there are like dozens of these damn movies and uh, over the decades and they're all terrible I'm just saying I'm just pointing it out now Mark but Chinese Americans Asian Americans can take a great deal of pride in what Bruce Lee, the Legacy Collection, from uh, the good
1: folks at Shot Factory, who we always uh, enjoy. This is a whopping set, man. This is a beautiful-looking box set. It includes... uh, It's
0: a big box set. I mean, it's a big, giant, like, coffee table book-type thing. Yes, it includes
1: four... Bruce's most important films. Well,
0: it, 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 what it does not include is *Enter the Dragon*, because that that's true. a Warner Brothers film.
1: That is true. So,
0: but it, it's got it's got everything else.
1: The Big Boss, Fist of Fury, *Way of the Dragon*, and *Game of Death*. *Game of Death*, finally. Thank you. *Game of Death*, thank Fightin you. Fighting Kareem. And the good thing is that the set includes interviews with Sammo Hung and Simon Yam and uh, a bunch of these guys who worked with Bruce Lee, knew Bruce Lee, can really opine uh, from strength about Bruce Lee. And it's great stuff. There's a lot of special features on this thing. There's, uh, there's. It's also physical too. It's not just the disc. There's a, there's yeah. a beautiful book. There's a stills gallery on all four films. There's, uh, there's featurettes. There's, it's just great. There's an outtakes montage from Game of Death. Uh, there's new interviews uh, also here. And uh, I really cannot recommend this highly enough. Big Boss, Fist of Fury, The Way of the Dragon, Game of Death. This is from uh, the Bruce Lee Legacy Collection, and that's uh, great. Shot
0: Factory. You got to check it out. Babichin. Yep. Babichin. All right. Um, new movies, Mark. I like movies.
1: New movies. I haven't noticed see a movie or three.
0: Oh, I hit the wow, mic Wow, you again. really hit the mic that I time. I really smacked it. It's. I'm tired, man. I got a baby. I'm getting very little sleep these Babies. days. Babies. I'm all tongue-tied. We got, we got an interesting trio of uh, Disney classics, which are sort of minor classics from uh, an interesting in-between period here. These are all uh, anniversary releases of uh, animated films, the 25th anniversary edition Blu-ray DVD combo disc of uh, Oliver and Company, the uh, 40th anniversary edition of Robin Hood, now Blu-ray is, and DVD this and digital is all copy
1: for the that late 80s, early 90s renaissance, correct,
0: and the 50th anniversary edition of The Sword and the Stone. And the Sword in the Stone is kind of like one of the last ones that Walt sort of had his hands in, but you can tell that the magic is starting to wane a little bit here. It's it's just doesn't it feels like you know Walt's maybe not well. He's not as involved as it used to be. It doesn't it doesn't have the magic touch. It doesn't have that Cinderella thing, the Snow White thing, the the you know the. Uh, the, the Pinocchio thing it doesn't have the, the Peter Pan thing Bambi Dumbo you know it doesn't have that classic sheen to it um, Oliver Robin Hood was I believe the first one after Walt died I believe it was in development uh, beforehand but anyway uh there's a lot of this stuff that is uh, that is also in the in the extras here. The most interesting stuff in the extras which I uh, I really enjoyed is the digital restoration stuff. Um because they really put all through all these uh, through the ringer. And the one that looks the best uh is Robin Hood actually. Robin Hood just is a is a beautiful beautiful looking movie. It really the colors pop and the restoration just just went to town on this. Um but the restoration for uh Sword in the Stone is is quite good as well. Anyway, Oliver and Company is an interesting one because Oliver and Company was uh, – I think Oliver and Company was – was this not the first attempt of the Eisner-Katzenberg regime to try to get things back on track? Um, I think Oliver Oliver and Company was the first. And then they went to The Little Mermaid. I think Oliver and Company was was the first one of those. Anyway so all of this is kind of in between you know this is between the classics of yesteryear and the classics of you know that begin with the uh, with the little mermaid so this is an interesting trio of films to release they clearly did that on purpose and uh, a lot of good extras on here um, and you know if you're a disney completist then by all means these have to be there but these are not top tier disney just so you know but really good blu-ray transfers across the board
1: uh... first big new movie of the week is a place beyond the pines this uh... this film really split critics uh, a lot also it didn't make much of a uh, dent in the box office even though I it liked stars it. I um, liked it a lot Bradley Cooper, Ryan Gosling. I liked it, too. It's, a, it's And a I
0: didn't like uh, the, uh, the Derek San Francis' previous film with Blue, Ryan Gosling. Blue Valentine. Blue Valentine. I didn't I didn't care for that. It was just like, okay, another one of these movies about a couple, you know, Ooh, they're, they're, they're struggling and they hate each other and they love each other and they're angst-ridden. It, just, it was another one of those movies. But this I thought was pretty sharp. I really did. I mean, it, it there's, a, there's a little bit of a leap of logic that connects these two otherwise disconnected stories across time. You know, you got the Bradley Cooper story and you got the Ryan Gosling story and they they there's kind of a thing and I won't get any other any other details, but it really it's it tries to be very, very epic and about fate and the tides of karma and all these sorts of things. But that said, uh, even though there is a leap of faith there, I think this is quite a good movie. It's, I love the ambition of it, even if it doesn't fully pan out. The ambition is huge, and that, that, that's that means true. a lot.
1: And the, the good thing is that, and this probably doesn't, it won't be a surprise for people who like Blue Valentine, unlike Wade. But that, uh, but seeing France, the uh, director, he does not make a safe choice here. This is a beast of a movie, and it's a roller coaster ride, and it's not an easy film to sit through. And thematically, and in terms of. Uh, in terms of scale, it's really an interesting film. I, 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 you know, I'm not saying it all works, but I, I really do appreciate the uh, the attempt. And I think that Bradley Cooper is really trying to shed that kind of pretty boy lightweight image.
0: Yeah. He and sure uh, he's
1: doing a pretty good job of it.
0: And a really good commentary by Cien France. Really good commentary. Uh, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's an interesting filmmaker, so I'm going to really – I'm looking forward to what he does again. Even though I didn't like the first film – uh, the guy certainly has chops he knows what to do with actors and uh, this impresses the hell out of me so uh, good commentary looking forward to his next film
1: uh, Wade my favorite film of last year was uh, Take Shelter which was written and directed by Jeff Nichols I absolutely love that film that was great It's a contemporary film film of our time the and, resonant
0: film, and how and how is, is he keeping in? Uh, is he up to snuff with Mud?
1: He is. It is a. It is. It this is,
0: film is. This is like the independent hit of the year. This thing has made a ton of money.
1: It has. It, it's. It's a terrific film. Also, it's definitely a. Uh, it's a lateral move more than it is a. Uh, put it this way: if, if he had done Mud first and then Take Shelter, you know, thematically, Take Shelter is the bigger film the bigger story right if he had done mud first then take shelter we'd be just we'd be just praising the guy to the heavens but having done take shelter first and then mud you feel it's more of a lateral move but it's still terrific i mean it's it's it has it has a classic feel to it cool it's about these two young kids who encounter a uh, this fugitive played by um matthew mcconaughey who's undergoing this bizarre career renaissance and they uh you know they decide that, that they're going to help him. they're going to help uh, this fugitive evade uh, bounty hunters and uh, it's very kind of like Huckleberry Finnish in the way they these two kids kind of travel. I was hoping you'd say Huckleberry Hound. I was so right there. I, I know. was like, oh, you, know, you know, as I was saying that, I was saying to myself, please don't say Hound, please don't say Hound, please don't say Hound. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, and normally dar. I would say
1: Hound just to, just because I'm just that guy. But uh, oh, no, I. My
0: oh, so uh, no.
1: I. I very, very highly recommend Take Shelter, and I also highly recommend Mud. I just think that Jeff Nichols is an interesting voice in American independent film, and I think he's got a great classical style. And I just think this guy is so talented, and I'm really, I really hope he delays his selling out as long as he can.
0: Well, this is one that I missed, so I got, I got to go home and watch it now because I'm, I, I obviously have to watch this for award season, don't I?
1: Um, you know what?
0: Uh, award season. Is mud going to be in the running? Are people going to be nominating this for things? Matthew McConaughey Matthew after? McConaughey, maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah all right uh, you know what I thoroughly enjoyed the sapphires. this one I did catch Blu ray DVD combo pack here, and what a fun movie this is. Uh, this is one of those little these little movies that the Weinstein Company just picks up and they sell they sell the hell out of it and it is just so much fun. Good friend Claudius calls it, says the sapphires shines brightly she 's quoted in the back beautiful. Um, this is actually based on the true story of, in 1968 of an aboriginal singing group from Australia that went to uh, sing for the U.S. troops in Vietnam. And uh, it's just wonderful. I mean, yes, it's, a, it's basically, you know, like the commitments with aboriginal girls and uh, Chris O'Dowd, who was just so freaking funny in uh, in uh, Bridesmaids, Bridesmaids yeah. uh, he's just great. He is going to be a real uh, a, a real hit in with you know in comedy movies. He's just he, he's just great in everything he does. He's their manager. Um, it's a wonderful movie. It just have it'll have you t- tapping your toes and dancing and uh, singing out loud. It is it's one of those great old fashioned just crowd pleasers. And thank God the Weinstein's went and picked it up. I'm they just otherwise it would have just been uh, a little small minor australian gem and uh, it's got that muriel's wedding feel to it you know it's maybe 80% muriel's wedding and that's enough for me beautiful blu-ray
1: oh wade absolutely the end uh philly brown is a movie that i don't know that i can uh, totally recommend it's about a uh, hip hop artist hip hop rhyming person uh, <laughs> hip hop rhyming person I don't know what hip hop people do uh, anyway she's in LA and this uh, record producer offers her a, uh, a shot at the big time and of course it comes with uh, it's very uh, Faustian it's a Faustian deal with the devil no. yes Gina Rodriguez is in it Lou Diamond Phillips is in it Edward James almost is in it and uh, I don't know what to say about this movie It's uh, it's okay it's okay, I, I you know it's um, what I like about it is that it's pretty heartfelt considering the subject matter and it's pretty humanistic. I kind of like that. It's a little melodramatic, but uh, you know, I, it's, it's uh, if you like that kind of thing, I guess it's not bad.
0: Love and Honor stars the uh, stars Thor's younger brother, Liam Hemsworth, otherwise known as the uh, the guy from um, the Hunger Games. Uh, the other, not the guy who's in the Hunger Games, but like the guy she leaves behind, right? He's, I guess, he's got a role in the next movie, which looks equally as terrible as the first one. Uh, anyway, the uh, here's the deal: Liam Hemsworth stars in this movie about a couple of guys who go to Vietnam, and then uh, they go AWOL, so one of them can you know, try to track down the girlfriend who dumped him. Uh, they, well, they've got to leave. They've got a one-week leave and then they overstay their leave, basically. Uh, so he can try to get his girlfriend back. Anyway, and, you know, of course there's another girl, yada, yada, yada. And uh, all of this against the backdrop of, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Should we really be fighting this war? Uh, it's kind of tedious uh, because all of these themes about, you know, the, the, is the war right and so forth, it's, it just kind of recycles all of these anti-war Vietnam clichés. Which we've seen so many times, and I don't know that wrapping them into a schmaltzy. Uh, who's the guy that writes all the really lame romances? What's that guy's name? All the uh, books Nick, or? No, uh, the, no? What he? The Sparks that Nicholas, Nicholas Sparks. Sparks. Yeah, wrapping it into kind of a Nicholas Sparks story doesn't doesn't make it more compelling. It just makes it kind of silly. But uh, what I do enjoy about this is Liam Hemsworth is is the real deal. The whole that whole Hemsworth family—they're all talented guys—and uh, take him out of this, take him out of the Hunger Games, put him in something real. And please, is he broken up with uh, that with that uh, Hannah Montana girl? They, uh, is that I, I, over? Know what, that's a weird relationship. Is that over? Because no, she it's just not. deeply the, disturbs me. Like the,
1: but the, the, they're, they're never seen together. Uh, uh, they still? Uh, I
0: don't know. His family had an intervention, and he broke up with her, and then they got back together again, or some damn thing. I got to stop reading us we, us magazine. Hey,
1: imagine working for E. Oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> uh BlackRock is. Film that is should not have been made.
0: <laughs> no, Kate um, C- C- Bosworth is.
1: Well, it's it, it's it has a, it has weird pedigree. It was written and it was um, co-written, directed, and starring uh, Katie Asselton. Now, Katie Asselton, I hope I'm getting her name right. She is married to Mark Duplass, who co-wrote the script. Mark Duplass, oh, seriously, is one of the Mumblecore guys. Now, oh. I like the Mumblecore films. Wade doesn't like them. I yeah, like you know. them. I I the types of films that I really want to hate them but then I watch them and I kind of like them. And uh so it definitely has that kind of very down home gritty independent feel to it. It's basically Deliverance for women where three women Kate Bosworth, Katie Katie and Lake Bell uh they go to this little island where they used to hang out as a as a kid and the island of course is, you know, not empty. There's uh, these three guys and a misunderstanding ensues and they wind up being hunted on the island. So it's um it's definitely got a lot of decent action and drama as they sort of get into their relationships and how they were as kids. So it probably could have been a little bit more. In, I mean, Deliverance, of course, is the ultimate version of that kind of a film. So um, there's definitely some good stuff here, although I think ultimately uh, there's a reason why this didn't get much of a theatrical release, if it got any at all. Um, but anyway, Black Rock, it is a female Deliverance.
0: All right. Female Deliverance. Yes. I guess that's a recommendation. Uh, is
1: it? Is it though, Wade?
0: By the way, speaking of, you know, um, there was a documentary we covered on uh, on radio a couple of weeks ago called Casting by. You, you, you familiar with this documentary? Uh,
1: you know what? It's I was a, in, I was invited to the screening, and we're like, didn't we already cover this?
0: It's an HBO uh, HBO Films uh, thing. It'll show up on HBO eventually, and we'll talk about it on this show at some point. But there's uh, it, it's primarily a uh, a profile of. Marion Doherty, the, the legendary casting director in New York who kind of, you know, found De Niro and, and, uh, and uh, Hoffman and, uh, you know, I mean, all of them, like every major New York actor, she just, she was the one who pioneered their careers. Uh, Christopher Walken, I mean, you could go right down the line. Um, and she's the one who's responsible for the casting of Butch and Sundance. She's the one that, you know, as an executive at Warner Brothers, put together uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover in the Lethal Weapon films. Legendary. Right? And Lynn Stallmaster is in it as well, who's sort of her West Coast equivalent. But anyway, um, the they, they, they talk about the casting in um, uh, in Deliverance in that, of the kid, the kid, the banjo kid, right? Sure. And uh, it, that's like this amazing thing because Borman was like, I need an albino. You've got to find an albino. And she's like, no, I, but I found a kid. I'm pretty sure the kid. Is you an albino? No, I need an albino. Like he was stuck on the idea that he needed an albino playing the guitar or the banjo or but whatever. But that, 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 that
1: kid... You realize that that kid did not play the guitar. I know. They had a guy I right know. under frame. Uh,
0: I know, but that, but still, the casting of that kid was unbelievable, oh, unfreaking believable. Yes, that and kid was just he, It just makes the movie. It makes yes. the movie. It just sets everything in the movie. Just so incredible. Anyway, uh, welcome to the punch from executive producer Ridley Scott. Welcome to the punch stars James McAvoy. Hey, shout out to Alexander Berlika. There's your James McAvoy. Uh, he, he, James McAvoy, who is now going to be uh, Victor Frankenstein <laughs> don't know how I feel about that Anyway, uh, this is one of those movies that Ridley Scott throws his name on because he figures, well, why not It, it looks like it'll make a bunch uh, It'll do pretty well, but I, I wouldn't want to direct It's not good enough for me to direct It's good enough for me to just put my name on and uh, then I have you know plausible deniability uh, Mark Strong is very, very good in this. Uh, James McAvoy, not so well cast, to be honest. Um, so uh, here's the deal. It's a it's a crime film. It's a heist film. It's a, a nasty London crime film. And uh, I don't know that it's much more than a whole lot of style. It's got a great cast. Uh, in addition to James McAvoy and Mark Strong, it's got David Morrissey and Peter Mullen. And Peter Mullen is just... Why does Peter Mullen just scare me by his sheer best. presence? He's the best. But why does he just like in, in Tyrannosaur, it's the voice. in Tyrannosaurus, uh, he ugh, just ferocious. He, I just wanted to crawl under the bed. He's ferocious. And here he just all he does is just walk on as soon as there's a close up of him all I all I'm thinking is please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. I know he you're going cra- to reach for the TV you're going to crawl out of the screen and you're going to you're going to yell at me or you're going to you're just you scare me. You're just such you're you're like a hair trigger away from just being an an atomic bomb explosion. And he's great. He's just so God damn it. He's, Very just,
1: in, he's just so intense and so real. He's oh, just great.
0: He's just fantastic. I love everything about Peter Mullen. Anyway, uh, you know what? It, it, I guess it's worth a rental, but man, um, it just it just feels like... I, it doesn't even feel like this movie was really written. It just feels like they they threw a lot of style together and got a good cast, and I don't know. It's not a classic British, uh, British crime film by any stretch, although... I'll tell you what is a movie called Wasteland which we also talked about on radio last week wait till that one comes out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray we're going to have a good conversation about Wasteland oh yes we will
1: Wade you you know if your horror film can only manage positive blurbs from outlets like Arrow in the Head and Dread Central that you've got a problem which brings us to Under the Bed Under the Bed is from last year it's a horror film it's about a monster living under the bed. And mm-hmm. uh, it co-stars his kid uh, from Chasing Mavericks, which nobody saw, the one with Gerard Butler. He uh, accidentally killed his mother, and you know what he's monst- returning home. Huh?
0: You know what monster, why monsters look under the bed? Why? To see if Chuck Norris is there.
1: <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Uh, he, anyway, he has returned home, and the monster is still under the bed. You know, it, the, the thing with under the bed is that it, it, this could, if you had made this in like 1984, mm-hmm. And it was directed by like Joe Dante. It'd be fun, but instead it's got to be just like just just trying to be super badass and scary and just just not good.
0: Under the bed, pass. All right, well there you go. Um, got a movie here called From the Head, and it's got a picture of a woman doing a pole dance. A movie called From the Head with a picture of a woman doing a pole dance. You think, oh my gosh, that's just gonna be some kind of filthy movie? Not really. Uh, George Griffith. Stars in the movie. He also wrote and directed it, and it is based on his life, which is a little bit problematic. Uh, it takes place in the mid nineteen nineties in New York, and uh, it's it, it's all about the um, all about the guy who is the bathroom attendant at a strip club, and uh, which I assume is what Griffith <laughs> Wait, that, did. That's what the that movie The Butler is about. Yes, Lee
1: Daniels, the guy who was the attendant in the strip club.
0: Uh, yeah, and and and. and I, I, he tries to make it as interesting as he as he can for a low budget independent film. I mean, it's it's got its moments. Uh, Matthew Lillard shows up and he's not as embarrassing as he usually is. Um, you know, Matthew Lillard really I've only ever liked in one movie, and that was the, the Descendants.
1: Yeah, it's really, really the only movie. Really the only movie yeah. he's ever not I,
0: just made me want to just just pulverize him with a chainsaw. But um, yeah, I mean, this is for you know probably worth a rental. Not not uh, not terribly bad. It's like it's about a career choice that I'd never really kind of given any credence to, to be honest. Um, and then a movie called Warflowers. This is our last new movie of the week before we do a few uh, foreign language things. Uh, Christina Ricci and Tom Berenger looking very much like Armin mueller stahl in a very strange, disturbing way. Tom Berenger has gotten uh, kind of swollen I know. And, and bloated. I,
1: yeah, it's I, like Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta's gotten bloated and swollen too. All those yeah, guys but, from that era.
0: But Ray Liotta's still Ray Liotta. Tom Berenger is sort of not really Tom Berenger anymore. Know. You know what he, I mean? It's,
1: he's gone B-movie.
0: Yeah, anyway. Uh, this is set during the Civil War, and, uh, this is from Green Apple. It is, um, uh, it's an, it's an okay movie. I mean, it's clearly cutting a lot of corners with, uh, with budget, but, uh, as far as, you know, a, a, a fairly original story set during the, uh, during the Civil War, I, I guess they do a pretty good job. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's not gone with the wind, but it, uh, it has, it has its moments, so... You know, Christina Ricci is always always fun to watch. I just it's just weird to me that these movies that are going straight to video now with these casts that otherwise I you know, know would have been welcome.
1: Cast. Welcome to 2013. Yeah. Too many movies, not enough theaters, especially when 3,000 of them are showing Man of Steel.
0: Oh gosh, tragic. Absolutely tragic. Uh, Vanishing Waves is a totally psychotic Lithuanian science fiction movie. It, I I said to the publicist uh, handling this, this is from Art Exploitation Films. Uh, that uh, imagine, imagine, I guess, kind of like a cross between, I guess, if you if you imagine like an existential cross between Open Your Eyes and THX 1138, and um, I don't know uh, what else, uh, The Lathe of Heaven that's what this would be Uh, it is called Vanishing Waves and it is just it is a total trip it is a it is just a screwy weird alternate reality romance bizarre trip with all kinds of funky nudity in it Um, and I'll tell you I'm not going to even try to direct the uh, pronounce the director's name Uh, Christina something or other or some damn thing anyway uh, and I'm not even sure if that Christina is a man or a woman I I don't know, but I will tell you this. If anybody here had any guts and they were going to do a Logan's Run film, this is the director they should hire. Uh definitely check this out if you love just total science fiction off the wall movies that screw with your mind. Vanishing Waves is definitely one to check out.
1: Wait, there's a um there's an Italian director named Fernando De Leo.
0: Yeah, did a lot of gun movies.
1: Did a lot of gun movies. In fact, uh, three of his gun movies are um,
0: this is the com- second collection of them on yes. Blu-ray. Yeah.
1: This is from the good folks at Raro Video. This is Naked Violence, Kidnap Syndicate, and Shoot First, Die Later. Kidnap Syndicate, I think, is the most minor of these. Uh, Shoot First, Die Later is not bad. Uh, It's funny because in terms of Italian films of that era, there's the giallo stuff, which is the horror stuff, and then there's some pretty interesting... Crime stuff, and some of this crime, some of the uh, De Leo stuff influenced uh, Tarantino and John Woo. So it's not like no one knows who this guy is. In fact, if you are a complete and unbelievable Tarantino completist, uh, you may want to familiarize yourself with uh, Fernando De Leo as the director. Uh, you know, not as cool as like you know. It's, it's not like watching uh, you know like it's not like watching Le Samurai or some really super no, cool no, 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 no. French crime it's, yeah. thing. It's not that good. But um, there's some fun little kitschy, cheesy thrills to be had, especially in Shoot First, Die Later. But if you never heard of him and you're into um, Italian film, I don't know that I would start with this guy. But still, it is being – it, and you know what? They put it on Blu-ray, and you got to give them a lot of credit for that. It's been on
0: DVD before; these films have. They've, they've been on DVD for a while, but, but now it's yeah, on Blu-ray. It's finally on Blu-ray.
1: Yeah, which is kind of nice. nice. It's, got, it's got some extras in it, which is nice. A documentary, a couple documentaries, and a uh, nice booklet with a critical analysis of uh, De Leo's career. So you know what? If you're again, if you love John Woo, love Tarantino, want to see how they how they became John Woo and Tarantino, you might want to check out uh, Fernando De Leo, Volume Two or Volume One.
0: All right, we've got three terrific foreign language films to uh, end up with. Uh, the first is the first of, a, of an intended trilogy of films, uh, the Paradise Trilogy, by director Ulrich Seidel. And this was in competition at Cannes. It's called Paradise Love, the first installment of the Paradise Trilogy. And uh, Paradise Love is, a, is a, a really sweet film. I mean, it's inter- it'll be interesting to see how the, uh, the other two films play out in this. Uh, it's about a 50-year-old woman who becomes a sex tourist... Uh, in Kenya, and uh, I will leave it there. I fill in the blanks, go and figure out where that goes. That's, uh, own, you know, Ulrich Seidel. If you're familiar with his movies, it should be no surprise whatsoever that uh, that's how he would start a trilogy. A Night Across the Street is the last film made by Raul Ruiz, who, uh, you know, our colleague Bob Kohler would probably want to decapitate me for saying this, but Raul Ruiz movies just bore the crap out of me. They, they usually do. There's a few. Like Remembrance of, of Times Past or whatever, that, that uh, the, the, the Proust thing that he did. That that had some moments, but my gosh, he's made some boring movies, just some excruciating stuff. Um, this is no different. This thing is just painful to watch, but a lot of people love it. I mean love it. So I'm going to back off. and I'm going to say if you're a Raul Ruiz fan, if you can handle all of his just uh, excessive, indulgent, stylistic, uh, meditative, metaphysical BS this will be deeply meaningful to you. Uh, Cinema Guild released this and uh, you know far be it from me to tell Raul Ruiz fans that uh, they should not watch one of his uh, his final film. And then lastly the must have movie of the week uh, The Earrings of Madame De which is the brilliant Max Ophel's film finally on Blu-ray from Criterion. Uh, This is just such a gorgeous movie. This may be the most beautiful movie in terms of camera work ever made. Uh, Max Ophuls was a genius of moving the camera, and it's like a ballet the way the camera moves here. And it's not even it's not unmotivated. He just has the most elegant way of choreographing camera work. It is superb. Uh, the story itself is uh, is is a wonderful kind of uh, period 18th century aristocratic uh, kind of soap opera. Frankly, stars uh, Daniel Darieux and Charles Boyer, and uh, it, it's just—it's uh, wonderful. It's almost like you know a, a French version of a Dickens thing. It's—it's it's great, really a great film. 1953, fantastic transfer here, and a lot of great extras. Uh, an introduction from Paul Thomas Anderson, of all people. Who uh, r- really loves the film. And then you get some interviews with some of Ophel's collaborators. Uh, an interview with uh, writer Louise de Villemorin about Ophel's uh, adaptation of the novel that she wrote. And uh, an audio commentary with film scholar Susan White and Galen Studler. So it's uh, this is just fantastic. Taken from a 2K restoration. I know we, we talk, we've we talked before about you know we prefer everything to be 4K. But for the purposes of the Blu-ray... Absolutely spot on. So the earrings of Madame Du from uh, Criterion, the brilliant Max Ophel's film. That is the pick of the week. You got to check it out. And uh, Mark, um, are we getting any closer to kind of deciding on an outro? Last last week I said uh, uh, cut and print. You didn't like that.
1: Well, it's not that I didn't like it. it. Is that I feel like we should pick something that was given to us by one of our listeners.
0: Well, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm reaching. I'm reaching for anything. Do you, well, do you have how about one? this
1: uh, uh, Makoto, Sukegawa. He's got one. Okay, what is it? Thanks for listening, and until next time, remember, 13 times 7 is 28.